Welcome to the One Solution Podcast. In this podcast, we're going to explore if there really is one solution to all the world's problems. And that perhaps that solution lies in the mind. The mind is both the source of those problems, but also the solution to those problems. As you start to understand what's possible through well-being and resilience and love and the way people can relate to their their lives in a in a, in a with more perspective and feeling, and uh, you start to see the illusory nature of the things that lead us in the other way and the and the way that they literally don't make sense, even to the people that are believing it and acting in um, disruptive, hurtful, destructive ways you start to see, well, that doesn't make sense. And and you'll see that for yourself. Like you'll start to see, you'll start to look through the papers. Well, that doesn't make sense. And that doesn't make sense. And that doesn't make sense. Well, what Mara saw uh, in discussions with her hub- husband, Eric, who we'll also see this, e- this evening, is that reading through the paper and saying that doesn't make sense, doesn't make sense. Why don't you just go out there and show how it doesn't make sense and show what makes sense, which is absolutely, on the one hand, fundamentally simple, but on the other hand, incredibly inspiring and kind of illustrates the ways in which she, by sticking to what makes sense, she keeps finding new horizons and and kind of always has and probably always will do. And so you may know, but that led to the birth of One Solution, which is a deliberate effort to show the unnecessary, optional, illusory nature of most of the big problems we face, <laughs> our world faces each and every day, which is both incredibly down to earth, but wonderfully inspiring. And actually, now that I'm saying it, that's a lovely introduction for Mara, very down to earth, but inc- incredibly inspiring. So I think you're in for an incredible session. Um, we And in terms of... Um, Mara's inspiration about this and, and kindred spirits like Stephanie Fox and working closely with her husband, uh, Eric Olson, um, they're kind of starting to spread this possibility around the world. So this evening, uh, that means now, um, you're going to be seeing uh, Mara and Stephanie here and then also um, we are linked in with Chicago and uh, Gaza. Um, just so a little taste of um, what they're doing. So I'm very excited to introduce uh, Mara Olson and also Stephanie Fox. Very nervous for some reason. This is more tech than I've ever had for a talk. So this is new for me. Fingers crossed that's going to work out fine. Um, but I'm, I'm really excited and hopeful that it is going to work out fine because we have some incredibly beautiful people that I'm just delighted that thanks to the powers of technology, we can introduce you to this afternoon. So um, Stephanie and I and Eric, if you times in from uh, Chicago, are just going to kind of give you an overview. And then we really want to kick it over to the people that we've been working with and the projects we've been doing to show you the potential of this, which has just been such a delight and an absolute honor to get to work with these people. And I've always said since the beginning of my career, where's the camera? Like if everyone could see what I get to see, 
that there is a simple solution that when people feel better, they do better. And when people understand how life works, they naturally feel better. Like it's so simple. And yet I feel so spoiled that I get this opportunity to see that awakening and shift happen in people day in, day out, and some of the seemingly hardest circumstances you can think of on earth. Um, so I'm delighted in, a, in a, a small but beautiful way you're going to get to see on camera some of what I get to see in the work we've been doing lately. Um, so yeah, I'll just kind of pick up where Aaron left off. It's mm -hmm. exactly uh, true what he said, that that is kind of how we evolved to now be doing the work that we're doing is that I found over my 12, 13 years of sharing and understanding of the mind with people is it started to look to me like there weren't a ton of complex problems in the world. It looked like there was really only one problem. And that one problem is that when people live in bad feeling and they don't know why and they don't know where that's coming from, they do the best they can with living in that feeling. And it makes sense that we see the symptoms in the world that we see in the world today because there's a pervasive misunderstanding of the mind that's become commonplace. So it makes sense that we have things like the highest gun violence rate in the country in places like Chicago, that we have wars that have gone on for an insufferable amount of time in areas in the Middle East and throughout the world, that we have refugee crises that are caused by constant war and displacement, that people are fighting with each other, that people are fighting with themselves, having unnecessary levels of stress and distress in the world that ripples out from that feeling. It makes sense to me that what we see in the world is a symptom of the level of consciousness of people in the world, of the feeling in the world, and what became so almost magical to me was that you didn't have to fix people's problems because we as humans have lots of them. <laughs> that, that would be a very daunting, very endless job, and it's not ultimately very empowering. What I observed over the years is no matter where you went, no matter what human you sat down with, no matter what their circumstance was, what their background was, given the opportunity to better understand how life was being created for them, led to what I see, saw as sometimes gentle and sometimes miraculous updrafts in well-being. And then from there, they solved all their own problems. It was amazing. Like the amount of times that people, I would do follow-up with people and they would say things to me like, oh, I quit smoking and I started running again. And we'd never even talked about that when I'd worked with them. They never even mentioned that they were a smoker or, you know, I, maybe tell they were out of shape, but they didn't, we didn't talk about, <laughs> you should really get in shape. Like it never came up, but it was fascinating. And yet totally common sense. Like Aaron said, it just made sense to me that, yeah, duh, of course. When people don't live in chronic states of stress and distress, they naturally feel healthier. And when they feel healthier, they just choose to do things that are healthier for them. And it makes sense that people sort out conflict in their businesses when they quit blaming people in their business for why they feel bad. Or it makes sense that I watched George and Linda work with hundreds, if not thousands of married couples, and, and they would, without ever talking about the content of their relationship, suddenly fix the problems in their relationship just by sometimes even only one of the couple learning about their mind and having that updraft and well-being. So it got to a point where 
it was almost invisible as, as, as much of our thinking is until it's visible, where I caught myself um, finding the news quite irritating, not because it was depressing, that was irritating too, but because I felt like it was unnecessary. Like what I saw in the world looked so unnecessary and not just because, oh, it's a shame that doesn't need to be happening because I saw there was a solution and it was simpler than it looked. That if people understood, if humanity on the whole understood where their human experience was coming from and that their well-being was innate and it was not dependent on anything in their environment and that underneath our separate thought systems, we are all the same, that racism is a product of a misunderstanding of the mind. Conflict is a product of a misunderstanding of the mind. Environmental destruction is a product of a misunderstanding of the things we think we need in order to survive, to quote Stephanie, (laughs) not the things we actually need. And it just, it was like, yeah, there's a solution to this. And I found myself mumbling it almost grouchily. (laughs) And I would read the news like, this wouldn't be happening if everybody understood and then, and then, and there really was a moment where I kind of said that to Adik. We were watching something on the television about the uh, Syrian refugee crisis, and I kind of just ugh, like ugh, in frustration. Someday, everyone is going to understand how the human experience really works, and we won't see the symptoms in the world that are there today when that is understood. And I won't repeat it because I've said it so many times. I'm bored of it. But that was when Adik said to me, "Well, you know, someday it's just a thought." and it doesn't get any closer. And that was when I saw, oh my God, if you think you have a solution, go do it. Stop whining about it. So that led to the first One Solution Conference, and that led to, in preparation, and this is what was funny, is in preparation, we decided to have a conference where we were going to boldly attempt to say, hey, I think there's one solution to all the world's problems, and that's a new understanding of the mind. But it felt so simple and yet totally freaking crazy at the same time. I was like, we are going to, people are going to think we're insane. Nobody's going to come, blah, blah, blah. But we wanted to try. And in order to get over my uh, fear about how crazy that sounded, I just thought, okay, I'm just going to have to point my mind in that direction and assume that we'll figure it out. So any opportunity I could, I tried to speak to that. And one of those opportunities was Michael Neal was coming to New York. And he said, will you do an evening talk with me One of these nights I'm in New York and I said, sure, can it be, uh, can you really solve all the world's problems in one hour? Because that was our talk was, or two hours? Where's my, two hours. We had two hours. (laughs) Way more likely to be successful. (laughs) And I remember that was the first time I'd ever tried to articulate what I had seen about the connection between our collective human understanding of the mind and human experience and global problems. And, And we did all right. We kind of, I don't know. We messed about, but we did okay. Yeah. Had we had that extra hour, I really think we could have conquered them all. But um, unbeknownst to me, there was a woman who was not physically present in the audience, but she was uh, jet lagged because she'd flown in from Israel where she lives. And she happened to watch it later at 3 a.m. in her hotel room when she couldn't sleep and, um, and had quite an aha moment. And I'll let her tell you about that before we tell you more about who you're going to meet in a moment. 
Thanks, Mara. Um, so great to see all of you and uh, have the opportunity to tell you about the absolutely uh, game-changing uh, moment for me. Um, but I'll give you a little bit of a background um, that led up to that. So for about 20 years of my adult life, I was interested in ending conflict, um, mainly in war-torn areas that uh, produced refugees. Um, this kind of issue first came into my awareness living in uh, Minneapolis, Minnesota, that has the highest uh, population of Somalis outside of Somaliland. And uh, I used to volunteer in a, a refugee shelter there, and um, Somalis would arrive in Somali clothing in Minnesota. Now, I was like, man, things must be really bad if you choose Minneapolis as like the landing place, you know, dressed in very clothing that is for like hot weather. Like, wow, what is going on in the world? Well, how does this happen? And that really kind of kicked it off for me, my interest in war and, and displacement and the reasons behind that. So I spent many years um, trying to figure out how to end conflict. I read a lot. I studied a lot. I have a master's degree in it. And I worked with um, various organizations that were aimed in that direction. Humanitarian work aimed in um, alleviating the suffering of refugees, um, both private companies in the United States and NGOs, and then ultimately with um, the United Nations. And me and my colleagues um, did, and many, many continue to do, a lot of uh, things. There's a lot of effort and hard work and great minds working on ending conflict. And some of the things I realize now that we were doing, or actually everything, from writing reports about what was going on, um, I wrote dozens of reports that are now um, collecting dust on shelves of the United Nations in New York. Um, advocacy, talking to people about it. Like, do you know the, the suffering that's going on? Look at the suffering, do something. I'm sure you've all come across um, uh, refugee advocacy work. Well, that was like my main gig for years with the thinking being, oh, if people were just aware of the problem, let's shine a spotlight on the problem. And if we're aware of the problem, then we will be called to action to do something. Now, I don't know about you guys, but when you see that stuff, yeah, you feel called to action, but you're like, oh wait, what? What should I do? So I'm just gonna sit here and feel bad. <laughs> I'm gonna sit here and feel bad for a while because I don't know what to do. Um, another thing uh, that we did besides like uh, writing reports and um, advocacy was um, basically all trying to treat the symptom of the problem, calling attention to the symptom of the problem. 
And what I came to realize that weekend um, in New York was that there was actually a source that we had been looking in the wrong direction. We were basically putting vitamins in poop. I can't believe I just said that again, but I did. <laughs> we were trying to fix something that was unfixable because it was already done. It was the end product of a misunderstanding. And if people knew the source of that, of those actions, which were the source of our feelings, where do our feelings actually come from? If people knew that it didn't come from your neighbor who looks different from you, but rather it was coming from inside, then we wouldn't feel like that we had to ethnically cleanse different areas. If people knew that your sense of security does not come from building walls, guess what? We don't need to build walls. If people knew that your sense of security didn't uh, come from anything out there, we would just live in a fundamentally different world because everything we were trying to do to get that feeling of um, security is just based on a simple misunderstanding of where security actually comes from. Everything that leads to war and conflict is based on a misunderstanding. Clear up the misunderstanding and all the problems just naturally dissolve. And that just became so crystal clear to me. And I was so relieved because it meant I didn't have to write any more reports. <laughs> and I didn't have to convince people of the humanity of other people. Or I didn't have to convince people that um, not, don't be as scared of your neighbors. Because all of that was hard. That seemed difficult to me. All that was needed was to point people to the source of their own feelings. That's it. That is, and that was so simple and um, such a relief for me. And so after kind of giving up on uh, the global change effort and taking uh, some time off, all of a sudden when I saw that, I was back in the game. I was like, oh, after my long 20-year search of trying to find the end of war, I gave up, thought it was impossible, went and lived in my Tel Aviv bubble, which was great. Um, but then I saw the end of war. And it was, it is impossible for me to just kind of sit back and relax uh, in that knowledge when it just seems so simple to me. And it is so within our reach. Like it doesn't seem outlandish to me that there could be peace in the Middle East within my lifetime. In fact, you know, I think I'll, I could retire early. <laughs> <laughs> And I know that sounds crazy, but it's, it's really real to me. 
That was my aha moment. I love when Stephanie talks about it because she even, I think, is more um, unashamed, unabashed about how simple it looks to her, which I think is amazing. Because it, for me, it's slightly different. Is I know it's the solution. I have no idea really how we're going to get there, but I don't really care. It looks like the solution, whether it's hard or easy, and it looks like we'll get there eventually if we know the direction we want to head in. And if that's simple for me, that's, that's good enough. So just to sort of segue, you know, it, it, we ended up just basically saying, okay, look, we want to see if we can demonstrate that a shift in understanding of the mind solves problems in the world that have looked very hard to solve. Is kind of where we wanted to start. And we had a few different sort of people reach out to us, sort of projects that came to us, potentials. And we kind of played with a few different things. And I loved, I think it was what Michael said in his talk this morning. It's like any success book just tells you, show up, try things. And if they don't work, don't get too discouraged. That's it. That's the book. That's the whole book. I was like, amen, brother. Like that's pretty much been our, our, our whole philosophy. And, and, um, Stephanie, because of where she is in the world, uh, just saw really clearly that she wanted to bring this understanding to youth and young adults in the Middle East that are interested in creating change and are interested in building peace in that part of the world. And she'll say a bit more about the uh, people she's been working with, and you're going to meet them in a moment. So even better, they'll say more about it. But And then we kind of by, by chance, by good fortune, were invited by a couple of teachers in Chicago to come speak at a peace summit. And um, we met an amazing uh, young man who you'll meet in a moment on screen, Dejan, at that peace summit. And he went from really arguing politely, don't worry, Dejan, it wasn't, you weren't annoying. It was just kind of really challenging this idea that the violence and retaliation in Chicago was changeable. It was basically, you don't understand, this is written in stone for us. This is part of the social code. I've grown up with, you know, parents and gangs, his father's in jail. Like this is just a normal way of our life. And to not retaliate is an impossibility. And in the space of a conversation about the mind and about thought and how real and compelling thought looks and how it looks like it's being enforced upon you from outside, but really it's only maintained in your own mind. You have this aha moment of like, oh my God, that, that, that would do it. That would end the cycle of violence in the South side of Chicago is if people understood that retaliation is a thought. And he'll say more about, I don't want to give it away, but he'll say more about how that realization just spurred him to say, okay, we, we need to share this with the people in my community. Help me do that. And long story short, I kind of thought, oh, this is sweet. Yeah, I can, I can, we can support this kid. Well, little did I know, like two days later, he has 20 people at his house and he FaceTimes us. <laughs> this is okay. I've got him here. What do I do now? I'm like, oh, you weren't kidding. <laughs> You're like, and I was so humbled because my boring adult mind was like, well, you have to set things up and you have to find a spit. No, two days later, he's got a group of people. He's like, uh, I'm changing the city of Chicago. Are you with me or not? <laughs> like, okay. Um, and then, uh, 
we also from there then started making, you know, a couple more trips to Chicago. And then we met this amazing nonprofit called Stand for Children. And they do a lot of work trying to support the parents in the South Side Chicago neighborhoods and uh, primarily around educational initiatives. And yeah, you'll start to see some photos of the, the people we've been working with. And so also with us today, we have um, two of the um, leaders from Stand. So we, we created a collaborative project called Stand as One. So that's one solution in Stand for Children. And we're now working with the parents in the South Side of Chicago as well to help them get an understanding of the mind so that they can become a part of the solution to the violence in their neighborhood because they're desperate for a solution to that as well. And what's really cool about the three people in Chicago you'll see with ADIC, which is Dejan, Joy, and Keith, is they're all, Dejan runs the Rebels for Peace, which is our youth group. You'll see a lot of them with the, oh, um, in that photo, you'll see uh, Joy and Keith. But um, the Rebels for Peace is our youth-led movement. And literally, we are training Dejan and other youth in Chicago to share this understanding of the mind with other youth. So the three people you see on here are people that we're actually training to do what we do. They're not just recipients, they're also now facilitators, which is very cool. And same with Keith and Joy. They, they work with parents and we're currently training them to be facilitators of this, sharing this understanding of the mind with parents. So that's who you're going to see in a moment in Chicago. And then do you want to say a little about the fellows? Yeah. Sure. So um, earlier this year, I reflected on uh, like what was the most valuable um, thing I could do in the region that I lived in. And it um, came up was to really um, kind of sh share what I had seen with young change makers. That was the answer that came to me. So we put out a call for uh, applications for fellows. We had 267 applications. I had the most joyous time in the world going through them to see everybody, all these young people that are so excited uh, to make change. And I felt, I've, I saw myself in them. I was like, wow, this is, I, I was them. I wanted to change the world too. And if only someone had told me this 20 years ago, who knows where we'd be, but I just was really motivated to, to share it with them. So now we have an amazing group of young change makers that um, we're working with and they are uh, filled with so uh, much um, potential and interested in making changes across the board, not only in terms of conflict, but in terms of sustainability and gender equality. And they're just brilliant. And I'm so excited that I hope technology is with us and they are gonna show up here today. Um, and there's also an, a really uh, uh, special person with them as well, my former UN colleague and, and friend, Samuel Hao, who's been instrumental in, um, in uh, this fellowship uh, program, and I can't wait for you to hear from him as well. Okay, so if we can um, kick it over to the our guests on Zoom. Ada, do you want to say anything more before we go into the questions for them about One no. Solution? No, I'm, uh, I'm ready to go. Okay. <laughs> hey, babe, how's it going? It's going well, it's going well. <laughs> All right, so we have a few questions that um, 
we're going to ask them and, um, and then if we have time at the end, maybe we'll open it up to questions from you as well, if we can pull that off in this technological miracle here. Um, so I'd love to just start with you, Dejan. If you could tell this group a little bit about what shifted in you when you learned about your mind and how conflict and violence and retaliation look different to you now than they did a year ago. Um, Y'all can hear me, right? Hey, can they hear me? Yes. No. Okay, I'm just talk. Um, <laughs> uh, um, my name is Dejan. Um, so about a, a year ago, I um I wasn't like the best kid that that I can be. I I always thought that like the circle of violence and retaliation it can't come to an end because like that's all I grew up around. I was immune to it. Like seeing people get hurt. Like seeing seeing people die, it really didn't didn't do nothing to my mind or to my system because that's what I was used to. But when I went to the uh, peace summit and I heard Mara and Isaac talk about the mind, like I I ain't really what she what Mara said. I didn't really agree with it because I was so used to the violence and, and like seeing people get their licks back and like seeing people retaliate. So I wouldn't really listen to it. But as she went on and on about it. Like, I, I ain't really think that the violence it could like stop. But like, if if we teach people about the mind, and, like every action comes from your mind, I think people people won't won't have to retaliate or try to put violence or hurt other people just to make themselves feel better. Because hurting somebody else, it won't make yourself feel better. That's just gonna keep the pain up on you. Cause like, if if people realize that they can make themselves be happy other than like it's it's uh it's someone else's like re- reflecting happiness upon you they won't be retaliating or doing violence because because they going they got the power which is the mind and like like if if people understand like if they use their mind to the fullest potential they'd be more happier because they won't cuz they won't give people the consent to put negativity up on them, they can just, it's like a shield. You put your shield up and then you won't be mad or angry. That's it. And um, Joy or Keith, I'd love to hear kind of your take on that from a parent perspective and what you guys have been seeing for yourselves about the mind and how, um, in what way has your understanding of the violence in your community or the potential for peace in your community changed? Hi, everyone. My name is Joy, and I'm a community organizer with Stanford Children. Um, My view changed. Well, let me go back a little bit. Um, When I first met Mara and Eric, um, I was very skeptical. I kind of gave them a hard time about it because it was just too simple. Um, I went in hoping to help my parents, the parents that I work with, and I ended up really expanding my own mind and seeing things differently. Um, I understand that I was internalizing things that I shouldn't have. Um, I was taking on things that really weren't necessarily my responsibility. 
Um, so it made me angry. It made me bitter. It made me frustrated all the time. Um, I've always been like the neighbor, the parent that corrected or said something to your child. And I found in the last couple of years that I wasn't doing that. And I was very unhappy about it because just it's just my nature to correct. And I found myself doing something against my nature. And I'm not sure where it came from. I don't know if it's listening to other people, but things that people are normally afraid of, I'm not. And I found myself just becoming very, very frustrated. So whether the child has a crayon or a gun, it really didn't matter to me. But I found myself looking at things from a micro, macro level opposed to a micro level. And I, I'm the person, I, I want to say something to you. I want to pull you to the side and say, you know, that's not right. And I found myself being very, very frustrated because I wasn't doing that. So now when I look at violence, I just, it centered me. It, it put me back to where I needed to be. So when I see the kid on the street who's doing something that maybe they shouldn't, I'm very comfortable like approaching them and saying something. But for like the, the last two or three years, I found myself thinking other people's thoughts. And um not sure where it started or how it started, but after doing the training, it made me realize that you need to get back to who you are. Good day, London. Uh, just to kind of piggyback off of what Joy says, you, you wanna have a, a facet almost of wanting to help everybody. And when Maura and, and Enoch was like, you know, you can have this selfish moment. I said, you know, I don't have time to have a selfish moment. I have to make sure that my, my parents get to these conferences. I have to make sure that these kids get to school on time. I don't have time to have a selfish moment. And it wasn't until that light almost resonated within me that I had to back up for a moment and realize that this thing is not only just about them, but it's also about me and recognizing that everybody's lens is different. And so you're, you're, you're almost painting this movie for yourself. And once you realize that sometimes you may be the villain in the movie, it's not until you begin to chin check yourself, you give yourself a chin check and you realize that this thing has to resonate with you first. It, it's, it's, the mind shifting at a, at a high pace, at a high velocity. And once you realize, and once you dive into this thing, you, you realize that you can be a better help and a better service to people when you realize that you're just a part of this big impact that becomes the huge solution. So to really understand the, the, the shifting and the changing of the mind, it starts and it ends with you. And so I took away from one of our retreats, having that selfish moment that day wasn't a negative thing. It was a thing that enabled me to understand that I need to be a part of the solution and I can be a part of the solution. And as the retreat had gone forth, I then recanted and said, I am the solution. We're going to kick it over to our friends in Gaza in a minute here. But Shaw reminded me, he forgot to say that we're going to 445. So don't get fidgety yet. 
Hello, London calling Gaza. They'll they'll show up when they start talking. Oh, great. Okay, so Sammy and and Lynn, same uh, question to you guys. Um, how does conflict and uh, peace look different to you now than it did before? You want to start? No, you can't start. <laughs> okay. Uh, okay. Hi, guys. Um, well, if you ask me this question, um, how how do I see conflict? If you ask me this question uh, ten years ago, um, I would my answer would be like, well, um, the conflict is my conflict is my problem is uh, it's only about me my people because I live in a conflict zone. So uh, I, I I would never think about any other people across the globe. While you're asking me now, I think the conflict is uh, something that people do it all the time, and uh, whatever uh, whatever they have, they will they will find conflict. For example, I uh, briefly I, I just saw this documentary recently about wine industry, and I, I saw that in Italy there is two towns close to, to each other. They are fighting not in hand, but they are fighting because the other town changed the type of wooden that these of the barrel that where they store the wine. <laughs> like, what? <laughs> <laughs> For me, like, and, and, and then I, I became to believe that everything that we have, we made it up as, as people. We made the conflict up. We we are not living ourselves. Uh, we, 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 we live in a different uh, entity. It's not our own entity. And once I was in my uh, su super uh, natural moment and uh, I was really calm and I was thinking if, if two enemies fall in, a, in an island and they are really enemies to each other from, from two ends of a conflict, uh, parties. And they, they, they were falling in, in this island because their plane crashed and they were survival and they, they are in the same island. I don't think they will continue to fight. They will find many, many ways to, to, to live together because both existence will help them to live. So. I, I believe that okay. I can feel this as well. I, I can my, myself. I can feel this if I am alone with that what you call enemy uh, at the same place. I think I am much more closer to my mind, to my reality. But once you are in a community and another community and another community, you are zooming out from yourself. But can I have it now? Even if I am in 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 an, in. Uh, in a community, yes, I can. Yes, I can. I can have this feeling I, because it's mine. If I can have it in a different circumstances, that 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 mean it it exists. So what, how how I look to the conflict now? I think uh, a conflict is something that that man made it from the beginning of our life, I guess, and uh, just we need to. To uh, to find a way as people to have 
more understanding for, for these conflicts. We'll never get rid of conflicts, but how we understand that we have conflicts and we have to solve these conflicts in much more um, uh, in much more uh, easy and peaceful way. It's 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 totally about about the the people themselves, about the individual, her or or himself. Hey, hi there. I'm Lean. Um, I think conflict is uh, actually like two different stories of two sides of between brackets conflict. Each believes its own and refuses to, uh, to to accept others. Refuses even to think about others' stories. Um, I was, uh, in the past, I was viewing uh, conflict as a physical quarrel, and it's, it's about fighting, and this is how uh, all can, uh, can reach their goals. But uh, conflict for me now is, is linked to uh, my own belief that um, a general change starts from individual, from me. Uh, if I really want to end this conflict, I will start from uh, myself to view other stories and to, uh, to just accept it because it is the reality. I can't ignore it. Ignoring the reality is not a solution. It's never that, like that. So. I would start from myself. I will. I am. I am starting with myself. Uh, I'm proud that I have uh, this this wider image of reality, uh, and I'm, I'm totally uh, proud of, of 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 being one solution, Philip. <laughs> Um, so I'll, I'll open this up to either the, um, our friends in Gaza or in Chicago. Um, say how, how, how you see now with, with a different understanding of the mind and of thought, how you think we can change the world going forward in, in your experience so far. Right. Go. Go. <laughs> so we're talking about changing the world. Um, it, it seems as though when you have a change, the change is supposed to spread like wildfire. That can even have a negative impact on some things or even a positive impact on some things. But when you literally say you want to change the world, well, it's, it starts with you first. Um, a lot of us don't understand that concept of, well, what am I doing wrong? What am I doing right? And again, it, it starts with you just chin-checking yourself and making sure that when you have those beliefs, when you have those perceptions about certain things, um, your strengths, your weaknesses, 
um, those things that prevail you as a human being. Um, our society teaches us all type of different thought patterns and um, everything must manifest in, in different uh, different uh, places or, or different temperatures or different climate. But the earth is actually, uh, we're actually in command of what we do. And the shift, again, it starts and it ends with us. So when we say change the world, it starts with me and it starts with me grabbing him and it starts with me grabbing her and us coming together as one and beginning to allow this thing to truly spread like wildfire. And so to, uh, to London, to Spain, to Italy, to Rome, to Gaza, to Afghanistan, to Iraq, I mean, we're talking about global change at its best. And so again, it's gonna start with you realizing that you have this innate thing inside of you. You have this power that resonates inside of you. You have, you have a gifting in the inside. Why not allow the world to see it? And that's how the change starts with you. Um, I think changing the world is totally doable. Um, one person at a time, one mind at a time, not teaching people how to think, but there's a different way of thinking. Um, yeah, that's pretty much it. I think um, I might be able to retire early as well because if it's Chris <laughs> fire, then hey, we got a lot of people with a different mindset, so. Yeah. <laughs> I like to piggyback off what he said about like, it starts with you. Uh, I said this up in the earlier Rebels last year on Facebook, a uh, uh, line from Michael Jackson's song, if you want to make the world a better place, take a look at yourself and make a change. All the like, change starts with you. You can't change the world unless you change yourself. Because once you change yourself, you can be the leader and you, like, you can be the, the, the powerful, outspoken person and pass it on to other people. And... How I would do that is I start with like media because that's where a lot of stuff get attention from. Facebook, sharing on Facebook, sharing on Instagram, Twitter, doing stuff like this with different conferences. Like just keep sharing to everybody that you know. It's like a chain. You share with one person, next person will share with the next person, that person gonna share with two other people, two other people share with three other people. It's just a chain. Like if you keep the chain going, then the chain is gonna start. Sammy or Lynn, do either of you want to answer that question? How do you, how do you see um, changing the world going forward? Uh, I think we, uh, each individual should start from uh, him or herself because uh, accepting others and uh, achieving, achieving peace uh, is basically about uh, listening well to all related stories of conflict. And uh, by this, we uh, 
the world would would be uh, a better place for 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 all stories, all different stories, uh, even if they are opposites. Um, for to be more accurate, for uh, about the conflict. Uh, um, to negotiate to, to, to negotiations on finding finding solution for uh, a, a certain conflict uh, is uh, the next step after uh, accepting uh, the reality, accepting other stories, um, and this would be I, I believe this would be. Uh, the, like a, a better planet for all of us. Um, for me, um, I think the the change is is, is pretty simple uh, because. Well, the, the the understanding is is something that everyone had. Uh, for me, I, I I many times discussed this understanding by myself by my own, and um, I I didn't think that I am ready to share my um, uh, how how I see how I see the world that is is, is made up by me. I thought it's my only, it's my own idea. I thought that I made this up and I think everybody will perceive me as a crazy person. Until the day that Stephanie called me and was chatting with me about this new understanding. She thought that is a new understanding for me. For me, what's, what wasn't new <laughs> is that there's, an understanding, like people <laughs> about such an understanding. So uh, I, I, I was like, uh, I was really surprised and uh, like, so it's true. So these understandings are true, it's happening. It's, it, it, like, it's not, it's, not, it's not only me like, who, who think about things like in this way. And eventually it's the only way to think about things. This is what, this is how you think about things. You made up things, <laughs> apparently. <laughs> uh, and yeah, the change starts already when I, I, I was really more than happy to work with Tiffany to take this journey with change. If we just trigger it, if we just start it, spread the word among, among the area, among the, the Middle East maybe, and, and, uh, and see how people react. And every time I'm talking with my colleagues at work or my friends, I talk with them about this new understanding that I have found. Uh, the 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 got some some uh, bows uh, for for a few seconds or one minute, and what what you are talking about, and then they start to to think about it, and for them it became real as it became for me. So I think if we all people work together just to let other people, as my mates in Chicago said, we have to go hand in hand. We have to have the snowball roll. I think the world will understand what they are doing and they will understand that the color, the red color 
for me, it's really different than for you. It's, it's totally different uh, perceptions for the same color, but we agree about the name only. <laughs> Okay, we have five minutes if anybody wants to ask a question of any of these lovely people. Otherwise, we can wrap it up. Does anyone have any questions? Oh, we've got one in the back. You're gonna have to run very far. <laughs> Um, this is amazing. This is really, really inspiring and it's really fantastic to watch. <clears throat> but I just have a question. Um, I'm just curious, do, do you see this, either people on screens or, or Mara, or do you see this, the idea of, of three principles and bringing this understanding to communities, you know, where there's huge conflict? Because there's, there's been a lot of peace building programs run, I mean, Stephanie, if you've worked in the UN, you know, peace building and attempts at, you know, international conflict resolution attempts, et cetera, et cetera, and mediations and all those kind of things. And, and do you see this as, as, as different? Or, I mean, do you think this will have more impact than that kind of peace building work that's been going on in the background in all sorts of war and torn communities and, and conflict zones for the last gone as so many years, um, you know, from George Mitchell, he's been out there in, in, in Gaza, that's, if I'm correct, and he was in Northern Ireland, and I'm just curious if, if you see it as, as something different, or is it, is it just another flavor, do you think, um, or could this have more potential than, than those kinds of programs, if my question makes sense? It makes total sense. Do you want to answer? It's yeah. absolutely totally different. <laughs> Unequivocally totally different. And the reason is, yeah. is because those projects that you're talking about, many of which I designed and proudly implemented myself, they were based on a misunderstanding. They were based on a misunderstanding of where the human experience was coming from. So then all of the activities that follow from that were, they were on shaky ground. They had nothing to stand on. This, what, what we're doing is based on very, very solid ground of capital T truth that Michael was uh, talking about this morning. It's, it, it's so rock solid that I don't mind sounding crazy by saying these things I because it is based upon truth. And when something is based upon truth, you just go at it at a totally different way. You're going to the source of the problem, the misunderstanding of how the mind works, rather than treating the symptoms of that misunderstanding of which conflict is a symptom of a misunderstanding. about like if you listen to what Sammy said is you know it's it's getting an appreciation for the fact that we make up conflict and then we try to figure out how to fix it by having sort of conflict resolution and peace building but it's still to Stephanie's point after the fact 
trying to fix something that's already been created. And what I love is every single one of them in their own way revealed the illusion of conflict. And once it's revealed as an illusion, there's nothing to fix or to build something better around. Does that make sense? So that was why I think both of us, when we had our aha moment, was like, oh my gosh, this is the solution at the source, not another treatment of a symptom. 